Welcome to Air It Out, a spiritual bootcamp podcast. I'm your host, Emery Oliver. This is a healing episode today, and if you haven't been with us before, I'm just going to go through a little rundown of what we're going to do. I, Emery, am a psychic medium, and I've tapped into my ability to channel guides, gods, ancestors, past loved ones, and everything in between. So what I do is we talk with our guest about an issue that they're struggling with um, in the hopes that you, the listener, might actually resonate with that problem and get some healing out of it yourself. I also um, typically channel dead loved ones later on in the show, um, you know, in sort of a medium-esque type situation. Um, so that that way, you know, they can kind of chime in on what you need to work on. But the ultimate um, goal of this podcast is really to help heal not only our guests, but through their bravery, they help you heal your issue as well. So um, don't be surprised because I go digging into a lot of repressed memories if the person at first says, I don't remember, I don't know, I don't remember that. And then the next day they do remember. So um the podcast producer, Nick, who's also my husband, and I were talking about it the other day, and we both decided that I think we're going to do a follow-up episode, excuse me, we're going to do a follow-up episode with all of our guests to kind of hear what happened in the days following, and also if they had any massive breakthroughs. That way, you, the listener, kind of get to see there is hope. So with all that being said, um, we've got a very great guest today who I've actually never spoken to until about 10 minutes ago. <laughs> Her name is Mel. Hi, thanks for having me. You are so welcome. Thank you for coming on. And we've also got uh, the podcast producer and my husband, Nick. Well, You may just hear him chime in every so often if we need to research something or if he's got something to add. So, Mel, what are we working on today? Um, yeah, so just as we kind of talked about a little bit before we joined here, I, um, you know, primarily wanted to talk about um, a couple of things, but, you know, to start off, um, you know, just like body positivity, um, body confidence, etc. Um, I feel like this is just a space that, you know, I've always had issues with, um, you know, I'll go through these phases of feeling very confident um, and positive about my, you know, body image. And then, you know, it'll kind of dissipate or go away. And then I'll fall into these, you know, depressing spots in my life where, you know, it kind of takes over and, and I lose some of that confidence. So um, that's primarily um, the first thing that I, I wanted to talk about today. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that you go through that. That that roller coaster is kind of rough, right? Because if you kind of always live with body positivity issues, and you didn't go through that confidence phase, it would probably be a lot less jarring to to drop back down into it. Yeah, for sure. So that obviously is very common, especially with women. I mean, I think it impacts men too. So I, I'm not going to say that this is purely a woman issue, but I do think it's a lot more prevalent with women. Um, obviously, society's gender beauty standards play a lot into it for everyone, right? Especially, sure. I don't, are you millennial or? Yes. Yep. Okay. So, so am I. So I'm, I'm going to speak to it from a generational standpoint. Yeah, for sure. When we were coming into our quote unquote adult bodies, a lot of society's beauty standards were be waif thin. Like it was the Christina Aguilera's of the world when she was very thin and then she got body shamed for being fat, right? Which yeah. she was, she was chubby. I'm fat. It's fine. Like that's not, that's not a, being beautiful and fat are not two mutually exclusive things. So just mm -hmm. in the context of this conversation, I need everybody to understand that. 
when you say someone's fat, it means they have a high body percentage that is fat. I am fat. That is okay. I still feel beautiful. It doesn't matter. But society's beauty standards and magazines and Instagram and everything else and everybody's body being edited to holy hell and Photoshop made all of us have this idea that we all have to be like 100 pounds soaking wet in order to be beautiful. And so it made a lot of us kind of look at our bodies like, well, there's something wrong with me because I don't know about you, but even when I was in the best shape of my life, I was never skinny ever. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's the, <laughs> it's the, it's the part that's always like have a lot of regret about is when you look back at the pictures and you're like, damn, why didn't I just appreciate my, like, I looked so hot then. Like right? I, I just thought I, I still thought I was so fat back then. And then, you know, I look at these, you know, and, and it's like, dang, I, I really should have taken that opportunity to be fully confident and really, really love myself in those moments. Okay, but we can learn from that, right? Because there's going to be an older, saggier version of you one day that looks back (laughs) at right now and goes, God, I wish I had realized how beautiful I was back then. What the fuck, you know? Yeah. So start thinking about it a little bit from that perspective. That'll help kind of shift your perspective a little bit of like, man, I thought I was fat back then, but I wasn't. I think I'm fat right now, but I'm not. Or I am, but it doesn't mean I'm not beautiful. You know, any way you want to massage that, because maybe you were chubby when you were younger, but that didn't mean that you know, I was chubby when I was younger. So I'm speaking from experience on this. Yeah, absolutely. But it didn't mean that I wasn't beautiful. And I allowed external um, opinions and external standards to make me feel like I wasn't when in reality, I look back on my body as a teenager or in my young 20s. And I was like, damn, I was banging, you know, like, yeah. And I knew it, I got attention. Like it wasn't, that's the thing that's so messed up, right? Is we can get all the external and like, yeah. Validation in the world and we still won't feel good about ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. So were you um at around like eight years old, were you considered like overweight? Yeah. Oh yeah, my whole life I have been. Okay. So I feel like I, I'm I'm seeing you getting bullied at school about it. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> oh. Yeah, and it kind of caused you to like you have this big, beautiful personality, right? And so it kind of mm-hmm. caused you to like. I don't want to say question that too, but it was almost like your body, your body issues kind of started infecting that too of where you started feeling like, well, maybe I should just like kind of shrink myself because when I'm my awesome, gregarious, like outgoing self, they come at me about my weight. Yeah. Eight years old is an, it's funny that you bring up that age. It's it's very specific. They're showing me like it's eight. (laughs) Yeah. Um, there was a pretty, pretty big, uh, change. Uh, my family moved, you know, across the country when I was eight. So it was a completely different school environment, brand new friends, the whole, the whole spiel. So that's interesting that eight was the age. (laughs) Oh, love. So I'm going to tell you from also a personal experience on this. I moved around a lot as a kid. I went to like several different elementary schools, several different middle schools. I went to two different high schools. So I was always having to like rebuild, right? Because that's what right. that is. Like you, you don't, you don't know any of these people, and they've all known each other for a very long time, depending on what school you've gone to. Yeah. 
And so you're already kind of odd man out. And then on top of that, um, you know, being chubby as a kid gets you made fun of. And so I think that that actually is part of your body issue. Yeah. I think it's actually the like being the new kid that didn't know anybody. And then you also getting bullied for your weight. I think it was like a combination of the two. It's like the being the new kid who was the outsider who was having to rebuild back all back over again, like intensified the body issue, if that makes sense. Yeah. So like if you had been in the school that you knew forever and you knew that little Tommy Joe was just a, a fucking dickhead to everybody and he's <laughs> like, you're fat, you know, you're like, whatever, fuck you, Timmy Joe. Like right. you yeah, don't care. Yeah, yeah. But when you yeah. go into a new setting and you're like, I just need, I just need some people to to feel connected with. And then you're getting bullied on top of that. It just magnifies whatever the issue is. Yeah. Interesting. So I think that's part of it. I think the other part of it is I don't – I feel like a female figure in your family was very hard on you about your body. I want to say mom, but it might be more like an aunt or a grandma because I, I feel like mom wasn't – I feel like mom has some weight stuff too. Mom does have some weight stuff, yeah. Um She's always had some weight stuff and I've always kind of felt like I always felt like it was almost like a a deflection or a reflection of her own stuff. It was. That was like more pressure on us in a way, if that makes sense. No, that it, that's projection, which is totally normal, but projection. Let yeah. me let me ask you this. Did she have a sister who was like really thin and everyone thought she was really beautiful? Um, she did not. Um, my dad did have a thin sister. Okay. So kind of what I'm getting from this. It's like your mom saw, I thought it was her sister, but I, I, because they said aunt, like they they confirmed it. It was an aunt. And so I was like, huh, that's interesting. So. I kind of wonder if your mom, because she had those body insecurity issues, saw your dad's sister and kind of had this insecurity attached to it of like, she's so beautiful and so thin and I'm not. And that's my husband's side of the family. And they're all like, they're a different body. You know, it's different genetics. Like, yeah, it's they're different than than we are. And so I think your your mom, I think that made her feel even more insecure. And I think you were correct in saying that she took it out on you. Not mm-hmm. not consciously. OK, so this wasn't like a, I'm unhappy with my body, so I'm going to make my daughters feel like crap or my daughter feel like crap. Yeah, It was more along the lines of like she didn't want you guys to feel the way that she felt. And so because of that, she rode you guys really hard about your weight because she wanted better for you. Like it, the intentions were good. The way it came about was not great. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. The way it was vocalized for sure. Because instead, I think a lot of the times it's difficult for communication to be upfront and and real, right? And saying mm-hmm. the things that we mean. I think it's a lot of, I think there's a lot of emotion there, but without like talking about the emotion, like letting that emotion drive how it's being communicated. Yep. So that's kind of what I'm getting at is that had she said to you guys like, Hey guys, I feel really bad about my body because I'm on the bigger side. Yeah. And other women, you know, like your dad's sister or whoever else like made yeah. me feel kind of inferior or 
less than because they had these beautiful bodies that I I had like didn't feel like I had the ability to get to. And so I don't want you guys having that same issue. And so I'm trying to instill these values in you when you're very young so that you don't you don't get like your weight doesn't get out of control like mine did. Yeah. But instead of having that talk with you, she just kind of went on like, a, are you sure you want to eat that? Like they're literally showing me with you like a piece of like, like with a piece of cake on a plate and her being like, are you sure you need to eat that? Like and just being kind of passive aggressive about it. But I again, I think that it was a lot of projection. And I think yeah. she couldn't fathom a world in which you guys would be happy with your bodies even being bigger because she wasn't happy with hers. Mm-hmm. So this is all external stuff that has kind of played into this for you. And it, and it happened from a very young age, but I'm really showing that like it kind of kicked back up again in teenage. Yeah. And I, I'm seeing your mom doing it. But I'm also seeing, oh, I feel like you had like a gym teacher or some sort of teacher that wasn't very nice to you about it. Hmm. Like. Like in high school? Mm-hmm. Like there and sometimes they they show me stuff very symbolically so I feel like you were like in gym class and you were really gassed like like you had just been like pushed pushed to the point of where like you couldn't go any further and the gym teacher was like totally not sympathetic and had kind of ha- had undertones of like you're this way cuz you're out of shape or you're this way cuz you're fat so there is actually a time specifically that 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 just brought up. Um, it wasn't high school. It was elementary school, though. And, mm. you know, we all had to run the mile. And it's actually something that okay. some of my, my friends that I'm still friends with um, remember, actually, that we were running the mile and I got so exhausted and I was so red that yeah. the gym teacher, like, sent me to the nurse's office and, like, made, like, a whole a thing deal of it. out of it. And, like, it was being made, like, into such a big deal that, like, my friends still even remember that situation. Aww. So, like, maybe I don't remember specifically, like, feeling, like, pointed out in that way or, like, feeling like, you know, they were pushing me back or pushing me down in any way. But maybe the the way it came across, though. Well, I think it I'm probably – I'm not even – I think it stuck with you subconsciously, right? Because they pulled that up yeah. as, like, something that kind of caused this. I was thinking it was high oh. school because I saw a track, right? Like, an actual track. <laughs> Um, which most mm. elementary schools don't have, but maybe they were just explaining to me that it was oh. during the mile run. Yeah. So I think that was a subconscious thing for you because it it, it made you feel like incapable, if that makes sense. It wasn't like that it made you feel like, oh, I'm fat. It was because you're young, right? Like when you're a kid like that, you're like, whatever. But yeah. It made you feel like, oh, my God, all these other kids like finished this and I ended up in the in the nurse's office. And it's because like I'm out of shape. Like they all were able to finish it like and they did. They showed me your face glowing like cherry red. Yeah. So. That's one of those wounds. Right. And I I need you to know that. I had a gym teacher, so I'm bringing up something from my childhood so that, you know, like this isn't totally. This isn't totally abnormal that a lot of people yeah. and, and I'm not saying all gym teachers, but a lot of people who get into being gym teachers have their own insecurities that unfortunately they then project onto kids. So I had a gym teacher in elementary school who was also my cheerleading coach, which that was very short lived because cheerleading was not my thing, obviously. But 
I tried it because my mom was a cheerleader and my sister was a cheerleader and I just felt like I had to fucking fall in line or, you know, I was already like the weird kid at that point. So I tried it out. And I remember I got into a really bad car accident. Like I literally, I died. Like I had a legitimate near-death experience and came back from it. And I was in gym and I had an excuse from a doctor that basically said like with the amount of jostling that her brain went through, we don't really want her doing like vigorous activities. So um, that evening I went to like cheerleading practice and she basically told me that if I wanted to participate in cheerleading then I had to run and jump and do all this other crap in gym when cheerleading is literally like this was elementary school so it was literally just like throwing your hands around like it wasn't I wasn't doing tumbling you know um and she was mean about it and at the time it didn't really stick with me of like oh god she was mean about that why was that so what that was though was that I had moved into school and I was like kind of the popular new kid and her daughter was feeling threatened. Hmm. So a lot of times as a kid, we we get that damage from like authority figures without even realizing that we either got that damage or that they were even being that way. But I didn't recognize until I went through my healing journey that that made me distrust authority because I was like, authority never has any fucking empathy for anything I've gone through. Like I just almost died and all she was like, you can't do the one thing that you're actually like enjoying right now unless you do what I said. Yeah. So this person who did this to you, this this teacher, they used to be fat. That's what I'm seeing. <laughs> like, that's kind of what they're telling me. They used to be big and that they got fit and they like trimmed down. And so then they took that insecurity out on you because you were mirroring back to them something they hated about themselves. I feel like I need to go through like my yearbooks now. <laughs> Do like, afterward. Re- refresh my memory on who my gym teachers were because I feel like it was so long ago or like, I mean, PE was like not my favorite. So <laughs> like, in general. So yeah, I'm going to have to refresh my memory and maybe something will pop up um, specifically in high school. Yeah. So, and even if that wasn't coming from like a malicious place though, that yeah. that stuck with you subconsciously. Like because they're yeah. – Again, they get me to go into like repressed memories and kind of like pull them up for you to look at them. For sure. So that's part of it is that you had not just one, but multiple authority figures kind of single you out for that. The other thing is I feel like, oh, this is what they were getting to with high school. Okay. I crossed wires on these. Sorry. (laughs) Um. I feel like you had a boyfriend or a boy that you liked. I'm not sure if you guys actually started dating or not, who was pretty cruel to you about your weight. Like it was like, oh, you'd be so pretty if you just weren't so fat or if you were thinner. And you really liked this guy. You guys. She just said, go ahead and say it. I'm like kind of fuzzy on this feeling and I don't know why. She's saying that you guys were kind of buddies, like you guys were friends. And so you kind of felt like he held you in like good esteem, like on a friendship level. And so when he brought up your weight, it really hurt your feelings. Hmm. In high school. I think so. It's either, I'm going to be honest with you, middle school and high school to me kind of look the same when I go back into memory. So it could have been like older middle school or early college even maybe. Hmm. But it was definitely a boy that you had a friendship with. 
That's kind of what I'm seeing. And I think you you had more feelings for him. Did he actually say something outright to her? Or was it just like the way that? No, he said something outright. It was offhanded and he didn't mean it in a mean way. Weird. Okay, they're showing me like you hanging out. Oh, okay. I think that's what this was. They're showing me like you hanging out with this guy, like whoever this friend was. And he either saw some girl on television or some girl walked by or whatever. There was some girl that he saw and he made a comment about like how hot she was. And it was like this very thin woman <laughs> or, or girl. Huh. Um, and it made you feel kind of crappy because he was being kind of insensitive with you. Like, I don't think he meant I don't think he meant to shame you for it, but it was just kind of the way that it brought up feelings in you. Do you have a name or like what he looks like? Okay, I'm kind of seeing like kind of spiky hair. Like gelled kind of. Well, I would. Okay. So there was one guy. It was a very unhealthy relationship, I guess, from like eighth grade through, I mean, pretty much through like early 20s. Um, Not necessarily like in a serious relationship, like together, monogamous or whatever. Yeah, but you guys were buddies is what I'm getting. Like you guys actually liked each other on like a friend level rather than it was. It wasn't just like a sexual thing, if that makes sense. Yeah, I feel like everybody had spiky hair back then. (laughs) That's a tough one. (laughs) I must have dated losers because mine all had that like cut across the front of their forehead. Oh, God. Yeah, frost- Sugar Ray was popular. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> We're talking about like straight up millennial hair um, or like millennium hair. Um, so, but it wasn't bleached. So I will tell you that what I'm seeing is almost like a light brown sandy blonde. It wasn't like a blonde hair. Like it, he he didn't have the frosted tips that everybody and their mother had. Huh. Gosh, I just. I cannot pinpoint it. So that guy that you were saying that you were kind of in a relationship with but not, were you guys friends? Like, or was that a purely sexual thing? Um, we were friends. Um, it was a very confusing relationship, right? Mm-hmm. I think there was a lot of, there was some manipulation. It was There was some sexual stuff, but that wasn't like the full thing. I think it was. There, he, you know, he was a, he was in a lot of trouble. Um, you know, I kind of ha- held on to that for a while. Um, so did this guy have spiky people. hair? He had spiky hair. Yeah, yes, it was dark though, dark hair. Oh, uh, that's kind of what I'm getting at though. It wasn't blonde. Like when I say like yeah. dirty blonde, I mean like it was brown. And with the gel in it, it looked dark. But I mean, his name was Josh. I don't know if that. I'm kind of crap with names. I'm going to be honest with you. Okay. If it's Josh, I might get Joe or jo- Job or Joel or like yeah. I'm kind of all over the place. But yeah, that relationship was a mess. There was a lot of messiness okay. there. But was it? Okay. So Air is telling me it was him. Okay. And she's telling me that this is the mess that you're talking about. This was part of that. 
So you felt like in, in this one specific instance that they're showing me. And so I, I think here's the other thing. When they show me these specific instances, sometimes it's a very specific instance that's the problem. Yeah. But sometimes it's also part of like a bigger trend of how they treated you, right? So yeah. in this specific thing in front of you, knowing that you liked him, he was like lusting after some other very skinny girl that you didn't look like. Yeah. And he was like openly kind of drooling over her. Like he was like, oh, she's super hot, blah, 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 blah. And it just made you feel yeah. like crap because he was being very insensitive about it. And he kind of made an offhanded comment at one point about like, you have the prettiest face. Like if you would just like lose a little bit of weight. But it wasn't in like a – in an aggressive no. way. That is starting to – feel accurate <laughs> that is starting to but it was <laughs> it was sense. part yeah so I think this guy actually did a number on you because this was part of a much bigger trend with him which was you always felt like he was choosing other girls because you were fat yes when in reality oh yeah my head is tingling like crazy so that is a yes that's a strong yes that's a this is an important one right when they start tingling my head that's like a yeah. this is the big one so part of the bigger trend on this is that he always made you feel like you were like his backup plan. Yeah. Yes. Thousand percent. And because of that, and you didn't understand why, and I'm going to tell you why in a minute because it had nothing to do with your weight. <laughs> but because of that, you went back to that old childhood wound of if I was only skinnier, if I only looked like those girls, then maybe he would love me. Mm hmm. The reality is he had a shit home life, like a real shit home life, which is not surprising because you said that he got into a lot of trouble and that's typically kind of how that manifests in boys at that age. Yeah. He, he didn't know like what love was and you were so sweet and so stable and not what he, he knew at home that it almost made him feel uncomfortable. Like you were too much for him in a good way. You were too loving and you were too genuine and too authentic and too smart. Honestly, like I'm I'm literally getting like they're like she was too smart. You were too smart for him. Like and he felt that way and it made him feel inadequate. And he didn't even like he didn't realize that, right? Because at that age you're just you don't realize 90% of what you're feeling, especially dudes. Yeah. But you made him feel you made him feel more oh – God, I don't even want to say that out loud. It's so mean. But you make him feel like – you made him feel like trailer trash is what they're saying. Wow. Yeah. And so his way – and obviously you didn't do anything to cause that. Those were his own insecurities. Just like he made you feel fat even though I had nothing to do yeah. with you. It was just two quasi-damaged people poking at each other's damage because you're in that like heightened state of like – physical whatever and your body's changing and you're going through this massive transition and you're just trying to cling to anything that you can. But I need you to know he did actually have like genuine feelings for you. It wasn't he he was terrified of you is what I'm getting. Hmm. Like I okay, I'm just going to put it in the way that like I know, but like you were wife material, you know, and he was like I'm a fucking mess, like my family's a fucking mess. I'm not husband material. Yeah. Not, I mean, he wasn't actually saying that, but that's internally how he was feeling of like, this is someone who who is a long-term thing and I just, I can't commit to that because I can't even 
my world's so unstable. I can't even commit, like commit to wearing the same pair of shoes tomorrow kind of feeling. Like he just felt so unstable. Yeah. But you took that and you internalized it as I'm not beautiful because he didn't, again, didn't open open up and share those feelings with you. He was just very hot and cold with you and you were on that roller coaster and then it just totally rocked your sense of self because that's during that time where you're already questioning yourself. Yeah. That relationship, I think, kind of is the catalyst for most of my relationships with men Mm -hmm. that I've had Um, outside of, I think, one or two (laughs) in in my life. Um, Yep. So I'm going to ask you something. Yeah. Um, how, how stable was like your father figure in your life? Um, he was around. Um, he's still around. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my parents are still together. Um, as time goes on, you know, as we're learning our parents as adults, um, as, you know, just people rather than our parents, things have been coming out um, that is pretty heavy stuff with his relationship with my mom. There apparently was some cheating that was happening. Um, That's why I asked. And, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, he, he was away with work stuff sometimes um, and uh, apparently in a couple of maybe a couple of those situations that happens. So, yeah. Okay. So this is why. (laughs) We recognize the energy of instability, even if we don't mentally recognize it, if that makes sense. And Mm -hmm. if there was like a lack of connection between him and your mom or a lack of romance or a lack of all of that, that's what was modeled to you. Yeah. As like, this is a normal relationship. And so your attraction to that kid who was kind of a mess and wanting to stick with it was you kind of perpetuating the cycle that your mom was going through, which was, I got to make it work, even though I know this guy's like not being great to me. You know, he's not being loyal. He's not being stable for me. Yeah. So that's some of it. The other part of that is, is that I do think that kid did do such a number on your head that there's part of you that kind of questions if you're even lovable. And I am here to tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, you are completely lovable, Mel. No. Like, I, they're showing me the core you, right? Like the you, you. And you would go to the ends of the earth for the people that you love. Like, I can see it. There is like nothing like it's making me want to cry because it's so sweet, honestly. I really feel like you are the kind of person that like, fuck, you're like the friend that I want, you know, like, oh, <laughs> this is making me super yeah. emotional. Like I can, I can feel your heart and it is huge and it is all enveloping. And I feel like you are always the friend who shows up for everybody when they're having issues. I think you're the friend that like, you know, bandages up everybody's wounds. Like I feel like you are just a giant love. And I think it's criminal that you haven't gotten that love returned to you. But part of the reason that it hasn't come back to you the way that it should is because there's there's some aspect of you, whether it's your inner child or your inner teen, who was so wounded that you started thinking like, do I even deserve love? Like what's wrong with me? And nothing's wrong with you. You just 
you haven't stepped into your sense of self yet. You're you're always so worried about other people and making sure that they're okay that you do a, a shit job of making sure that you're okay. And you got to come first. Look, I, I really resonate with this. It's part of the reason that I got so teary-eyed. This is me. Like, yeah. Nick will chime in on this, but what I just described to you is me before I did the healing. I was like giving to everyone all the time and hardly any of those yeah. people ever showed up for me. Yeah, to your detriment, really. I mean, yeah. you, you gave a lot to um, all your friends around you that, you know, didn't really respond or, um, I mean, you, you gave a tremendous amount to um, like rescue work, you know, yeah. it was it was rewarding, but also like very taxing. Yeah. So you have a, a very giving soul. And that's what I'm here for is to stop you from <laughs> giving so much that you, you kind of destroy yourself. So I want to use him as an example, though. That giving, when you meet the right person, that caregiver in you, that healer in you, when you meet the right person will hold you in very good stead because I'm going to say this about Nick, but he was a fucking train wreck when we met. <laughs> like, he'll agree with that, too. It's not very nice. It is. <laughs> honest, and you know it. <laughs> he was he was self-sabotaging. He, like, I literally chased him down the hallway of our apartment, or my apartment at the time, and, like, stood in front of him when he tried to break up with me one time. And I was like, don't fucking do this. Like, I know you feel this. I feel it, too. I, this is, like, rare, what we have. And, like, stop fucking running from me. Yeah. And like we went through that like three or four or five more times at, at one point in our relationship because he he had his own issues that he was going through. But where I'm getting at with that is that there is somebody out there for you, Mel, and that guy who's out there needs that love and he's going to cherish that love. And then it'll be just like this where he protects you because of it. Yeah. So it's not that you have been rejected. It's not that you aren't lovable. It's that you're being redirected to the person who is capable of giving back the love that you are capable of giving. I'm not blowing smoke up your ass when I say this, but if you're looking at the pyramid of humanity, the people who are able to like really love on the level that you're able to love are in that top little, you know, teeny tiny mm -hmm. triangle at the top of the pyramid. And that means that your pool of dating is significantly smaller. I'm going to be real honest with you. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> and it probably means that you attract a lot of broken douchebags because they're looking oh, for yeah. someone to to heal them. Um, yeah. And they might not be in the right place for it. And that's not your fault. Where you have to, to help yourself on this to improve this long term. One, understand that you're lovable and really believe it. Start believing it, please, because you are. Like. I just met you 34 minutes ago and I'm telling you right now, like I already fucking love you. So no. you are totally lovable yeah. Two, You got to start setting boundaries for yourself and you got to go. It, is this, is this a healthy relationship for me? And I'm not just talking about loved ones. I'm talking about yeah. the whole grand scheme of things. Am I constantly giving to this person and they don't show up when I need them to? Am I constantly giving to this person at my own detriment? Is this person constantly dropping their shit on me? Are they constantly um, creating their own problems and then coming to me to bitch about them and they don't ever do anything to fix it even though I, I share with them how to fix it? Yeah. You've got to start setting those boundaries and start taking an inventory of your life and going, who's draining for me and who gives back? Yeah, thousand percent. And I do have to say I I have – been making those strides Good. for sure. Like, especially within the last two years, you know, I mean, just weeding out all, all of the, 
all of those, all of those people that, you know, if it's not a mutual two-sided friendship or relationship, I, I don't, I just don't even have time for it anymore. You know, I don't have good. the energy for it. I'm, yeah, I'm good on it. So, which is hard for me though, because I do want to, I want to fix everybody. I want to help everybody. I want to make sure that everybody else is good. But if, if it's to my detriment, I know that's, you know, it's not going to help anybody. Right. Well, and part of what, Part of what they're kind of telling me to to bring that up to you is there are still some people in your life that have to go eventually. Mm. And I'm not saying that from a malicious place, but you've got to get to a place where you're not scared of being alone. Because when you cut down all of your relationships down to like literally only the ones that fill your cup too. And I mean really fill your cup. I don't mean like drinking buddies that like you, you know, you call them up and you guys go out and drink together and it's fun and whatever. And then they still get sloppy drunk and then you have to take care of them. Right. I'm talking about the ones who are like ride or die there for you when you hit rock bottom, when you're going through a crisis, when some sort of health thing comes up, they show up. Those are the kind of people that you deserve because those are the kind like that's the kind of love you give. So I think while you're seeing that some of these people are still giving back to you, I still think there are maybe one or two air saying there's three. And I'm also, I'm also going to tell you that some of these might be family members. Okay. So I know we're stepping into like uncomfortable territory, but I'm just going to say it like it is some of these people. And I'm not saying you need to cut these people out of your life, but I'm seeing, I'm, I'm literally seeing them being like, she needs to put space in between so she can assess them from a different perspective because when you're in it, it's very hard to take a look at people, but when you've created some space and you take a look at it and you go, man, I really gave a lot to those people and they didn't really give a whole lot back, even though they seemed like they were giving back because they would say nice stuff or they would like occasionally show up when I needed them, but they weren't really like reliable. Right. Those are the people that eventually you need to kind of be like, okay, I'm not going to show up for you in the ways that you don't show up for me. And it's really, it's helped me, okay, to think about it as in like your core circle, which are the people that will go to the ends of the earth for you, which are very rare. Yeah. Like if you even have one or two of those, you are super lucky. And then there's like the extended friend group where you're like, all right, sometimes they show up, sometimes they don't. But like if I don't feel like doing something with them or I have something else going on, I'm, I'm going to tell them no and not even feel bad about it. And then there's everybody else, right? And th- those are the acquaintances. Those are the people you are drinking with. And you're like, oh, yeah, this is fun. But also, like, I don't have to see you for six months. Yeah, exactly. They're the yeah. people that, that, quite frankly, I've gotten to a point where, like, I don't even want to see those people anymore. Like, when it comes Agreed. down to it, I'm like, no, thanks. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. But. So. Uh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, family-wise, are, I mean, are they being specific with you? Because I. No, and they're actually saying she's not ready yet. So, <laughs> okay, they just kind of want they kind of wanted to put you on notice of like you you are you still need to observe people. That, that's literally what I'm yeah. hearing. She needs to observe people, and not from a place of if I lost them, I don't know what I would do. You you got to start looking at this from a if I lose someone, someone who is better suited for me will come in and fill that space. Because I'm telling you personally, that is exactly what has happened for me. When I like cut everybody out of my life, um, 
as soon as I cut someone who's damaging out of my world, someone great comes in. <laughs> like yeah. almost within a month or two, it's like clockwork, right? Because what you're doing is you're telling the universe, I love myself. I value myself. I value my heart. I value my feelings. I value my needs. And so because I value myself, I'm only going to attract other people that are going to value me too. And some of this is knowing that other people might value you to the ability that they're able to value you, but that you have much more depth of character because of the bullying, because of the loving someone who is damaged, because of all the stuff that you've been through in your life you can feel to a much deeper extent than most people, right? Because if we don't experience bullying and if we don't experience like the shit stuff in life, it's hard for you to experience the other stuff to the depths of that either. So while it might seem like we're extra and we feel too much and whatever, we're actually the lucky ones. <laughs> yeah. Because we get the full breadth of this human this human experience rather than just like, yeah, things are pretty great and sometimes they're crappy. We get to feel like the bliss, like the existential or not existential, the uh, ecstatic bliss, you know, like the ecstasy basically. Yeah. And then we also get to feel like the very depths of terror and like whatever. <laughs> and without one, you can't have the other. Everything's balanced in life, right? And so if you want to feel that ecstasy, you've also got to delve into like the terrorist or ter terrorizing yeah. feelings. Boy, I am like tongue tied. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a lot. Yeah, no, it's it's funny because I I I completely believe that too. Um, you know, I think it's for my whole life, my my close friends have always kind of uh joked about like if I'm in a sad mood, I want to listen to like the saddest music possible. Yeah. I want to watch the saddest movies there is just because I want to like feel so heavily into that like feeling, you know, like even if it's the sad, bad stuff, you I know, it. like it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm the same way. Yeah. I totally get it. So, so going into that and that's going to kind of go a bit into, going to kind of go a bit into your family dynamic. Yeah. There are some people in your family who chastise you for being too much, which you told me. But I'm mm -hmm. telling you that the reason for that is not what you would think it is. Okay. You're brave, right? Because <laughs> you like you put it all out there. Like you're not ashamed of the fact that you feel so much. Okay. They are though. Something happened within them that makes them feel like expressing themselves is not safe. And so it's actually like an envy issue for them with you. <laughs> like they're envious of the fact that like you're just like zero fucks given and that you'll show like I'm miserable and I'm going to like lean into it because for them that's scary. Like they they put up this facade. That's what I'm seeing. Like they're showing me like people like putting on masks. So All of them. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly do feel like it is my entire family. <laughs> um it is, but I'm really getting it from like the the feminine sides of your family. Specifically, I think it, your sisters in in specific. Yeah. And I think part of that is because, like, your mom didn't really accept that a whole lot growing up. And I think when she kind of was like, you know, stop crying or whatever it was, like, don't be a baby or, um, you know, like, oh, you're being dramatic or whatever. It made them – they weren't solid enough in themselves to be able to be like, fuck you, mom, I'm going to feel this way anyway. 
they kind of like repressed it and they were like, okay, I shouldn't feel bad feelings. I shouldn't do that. I, I should be this palatable version because if I don't, then mom won't love me or, and dad won't love me. And then I won't have a family. And so it, it became this like internalized, like, I have to put on a mask because I'm not lovable as I am. And I think you went the opposite direction, but also kind of still have some of the damage from that, which is I'm not lovable as I am, but I'm going to continue to be that way anyway, which is the path that I took. So I'm very familiar with that. Mm-hmm. So I have some good news. Your family doesn't have to like you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. They don't even really have to accept you. Um, if they do, that's fantastic. The only person that matters with your too muchness or your too feelingness or whatever is you. Mm-hmm. If you want to feel those feelings, th- this is your life to live. You chose this path. You chose to be deeply sensitive. You chose to be overweight, believe it or not. We choose all of these things as a soul because we want to experience these things. Mm. I know. A lot of times I'm like to my higher self, I'm like, why the fuck did you give me this experience? I don't like it. And she's like, you'll find out in a couple of years. And then every time I start digging through it and looking through it. I'm like, I am glad that I went through that horrible experience because it taught me X, Y, Z. So for you, the being bullied, the not feeling accepted by your family because you were just more expressive and different than they were and you were kind of the black sheep that's like the crazy lady. I'm putting that in quotations. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I get it. I'm I'm that dynamic in my family too. My family, um, they're – I'm not going to say they're all super reserved, but they're more reserved than I am. And they definitely don't speak their feelings or their minds like I do. Mm-hmm. So that was scary for them, though. And it brought up a lot of shit in them that they didn't want to look at, which is probably what happens in your family, too. Of Like you bring up something that's a problem in the family and they're like, blah, 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 I don't want to look at that. Stop. You know, like, yeah, it makes them uncomfortable. Yeah. And then the other thing yeah. is you're constantly reflecting to your siblings. That like. You don't give a fuck. <laughs> like, I don't know how to put that, but you being authentically yourself and you showing up as like, this is who I am. And like, you know, you can criticize me all you want. And yeah, it's going to hurt my feelings, but it's not going to change anything because I know who I am. That's hard for a lot of people. You're going to end up being a mirror for a lot of people in the world, Mel. Like, it's just the unfortunate reality here. Because most people are not living in their authenticity. Most people are wearing masks. You know, I keep saying this every podcast episode, but I'm hoping it sticks with whoever is listening. Most people do not fit into their families. Most people do not fit into society. They put on a palatable version of themselves to fit in. So this is where you are at. And this is you're at kind of a crossroads, right? Yeah. Because part of you feels like, I still need to fit in with my family. And then the other part of you knows I'm not, I'm not ever going to fit in with my family because I'm not like them. So if I can give you some advice from somebody who literally has almost the exact same dynamic in my family, you're not meant to fit in. You're not meant to fit in because you don't need the safety of the herd. You need to start working on your safety inside yourself. You need to be like, I am loved. I will find the love of my life at some point. I'll find my soulmate. We're going to have a nice life together. I'm going to be financially stable. I'm going to make sure that I am taken care of in every way, shape, and form that I am so that then I can choose to spend time with my family as friends, essentially, or as people that I love, but I don't need to belong. I don't need to be a part of that that group because the dynamic's always going to shift. And and in families where 
people are very reliant on each other, your dynamic will shift with the wind, right? It's like if these two people get mad at somebody, well, then you're on the outs. And if this student, if, if, if this person's mad at somebody, then that person's on the outs. If this person's having a hard time, then they all flock to that. It's just, it's like constantly shifting sands. And right now I feel like you're looking to the external to kind of like feel that safety, right? Because everybody does. We all look to our family for safety. That's like hardwired into us. Yeah. yeah I don't know if it's, I don't know if I'd say the word safety. I think it's more of, you know, I love my family and I want to feel that same love from them. But that's that's safety though. So this is how this all kind of channels down into like little bucket wounds. I'll just put it that way. There's like an an abandonment bucket, even though you might not have been abandoned. You might have just felt that there's a security wound or a safety wound. So what that, that wound is, is that you want to feel safe to be yourself. And to still be loved, yeah. Yeah. right? And so that I think for you, that's how that's manifesting mm-hmm. is because in your family, you don't feel that safety. You know yeah. that if you're yourself, like it's going to bring some shit your way. Yep, for sure. So once you get to a certain point and you get that safety internally and you start realizing like, I'm going to stand solid in me no matter what. And I'm not going to let it hurt my feelings because I recognize that most of the shit that they're saying are just projections because that's usually what that is. Or I trigger something for them that is a problem for them. And so that's why they're saying these not very nice things to me. Then all of a sudden you kind of become like zero fucks given on like a whole different level where you're like, I totally love you. And, but you're also kind of a dick and that's cool. Like we can just be that way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, I think this is another one where it's like absolutely still work to be done, but the strides that I've made at least in the last, you know, five years even have been really staggering. You know, I, mm-hmm. I f- I'm very proud of the work that I have put in with creating those solid boundaries, you know? That's good. Yeah. Yeah. But there's, it's always, it's always going to be there, I think. <laughs> You know, well, or it, at least until yeah, yeah. It doesn't have to always be there. I'm I'm walking proof, like it that it doesn't have yeah. to be there. I mean, we were. <laughs> I'll give you an example. When you get very centered in yourself and you just give zero fucks what anybody says, you 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 laugh at it. Like it's not even hurtful yeah. anymore. It's just kind of funny to you. So we were in town right. a couple days ago with a friend of ours, and I used to work in marketing, so I love packaging. It's like one of my most favorite things. And we went into this liquor store that we haven't been into in forever. And I got really excited about the packaging. And the grumpy old guy behind the counter literally loudly said to Nick and our friend, she doesn't get out much, does she? Mm. Like making fun of me for being excited. Now, old me would have been like, fuck you, guy. But instead, I just started laughing because it was so funny to me. Right? Like I was like, I actually got tickled by it. And I was like, he is a fucking astute man. I don't get out much. Like I live on the top of a mountain. And like, this is the first time I've seen this. Like. But that's kind of what I'm saying. Of, of it doesn't have to be that way long term. Eventually, yeah, you'll just kind of experience it, and then you'll like laugh it off because it just won't. You become bulletproof. Like yeah. nothing penetrates. You just kind of are like, yeah. oh, you're miserable because you're working at a, at a liquor store. <laughs> that's funny. You know, like yeah, yeah, yep. So, yep. I, I think you're still, you're still wanting that. That yeah. That security of family, right? And until yeah, you let sure. until you let go of that need, you're not going to be bulletproof. Yeah. And I know that that's hard. Believe me, I know that that's hard. Like, yeah, it's hard for everybody. But 
you're on a different path in this lifetime. That's why you're on this podcast. Yeah. You know, this this podcast is for people who don't belong in the herd. Okay. And there's nothing wrong with that. It just means that in order for you to be a way shower and in order for you to be effective in your healing people and helping people and all that, you have to go off on your own into the darkness and forge your own path. And unfortunately, when you have to go do that to show other people how to do it for themselves, you got to step outside of the herd. So understand that your family loves you in the capacity that they can. Yeah. Okay, because I, I am getting that. I, I'm not getting that you that your family is like abusive and horrible and mean to you. Like, I'm getting that they love you. It's just that you trigger a lot of their insecurities just by being yourself, and it's not your fault. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So they love you in the way that they can, but I don't think they're ever going to love you on the level that you love them. And and it's not yeah. because you're not lovable. It's because they literally don't have the capacity. So in order for you to go out and find that family that you're going to get that love that you want, you're going to have to step away from that and go do your own thing. And, yeah. I, and I'm not saying yeah. like cut them out of your life. I'm saying that emotionally you're going to have to detach from that desire and, and keep going. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the other thing that she's kind of bringing up Uh, do you have like a lot of, I don't want to say a lot of, but do you have negative self-talk stuff come up a lot? I would say as of recent, there's been, there's been some stuff. Yeah. Okay. So she's pointing to that and she's telling me that you, you really need to do some mindfulness work and start doing meditation if you haven't already, because okay. what's happening right now is that you've hit like kind of a unstable part of 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 your life path right now um i don't totally know what's going on um and you don't have to share that if you don't want to but i'm kind of i'm getting like she's showing me the image of like shifting sands and you like trying to get your footing and just shifting every time because you can't because everything just keeps changing yeah yep so and that could be like an internal thing or it could be external i'm not quite sure but in order to quiet your ego so that you don't get defensive about stuff so that you don't get that um like that trigger reaction kind of that happens internally where you go oh you fucking idiot like in your head to yourself yeah she's wanting you to get very still so that means um oh, well, I'm just going to give you the tools for these right because these are these are very small tools that everybody can use they're they are literally the foundation of my spiritual practice the first one is breath work mhm so when that negative self-talk starts coming up or anxiety starts coming up or you start feeling those very low vibration feelings, right? And I'm not talking about the ones that you kind of lean into and process and then let go of. It's like the the paranoia or anxiety about like, oh, what if this bad thing happens? And you know logically like that bad thing's not going to happen. Why the hell is this coming up in my head? Take a break for a second. Whatever you're doing, take a break for a second. And then I want you to take 10 deep breaths. In through your nose as slow as possible. And I want you to pay attention to how the air feels coming in through your nostrils and up into your sinuses. And I want you to hold it for like one to two seconds and then slowly out of your mouth, paying attention to how it feels coming out of your your lungs, out of your mouth, across your tongue, out of your lips. Just literally be very present with the process of it. Do it 10 times. After that 10th time, I guarantee you that you will be like, 
man, I feel a lot better. I don't know what the hell that was. So that's one thing that can kind of like hit the reset button on the router that that is your brain, right? Like if it starts going kind of crazy, you can be like, nope, time out. Like we're going to stop this this train of thought right now. The other thing that um, is a small tool that helps with mindfulness is just when you're feeling anxious or something comes up, look at your hand and pay attention to one line on your hand and just like literally look at all of that one line back and forth. Look at all the little lines that come off of it. Get super focused on your hand or super focused on the back of the milk carton or super focused on any one thing and try and hold it for at least one to two minutes. You'll be amazed how if you do that two or three times a day, you'll be much more in the present moment. You won't be as worried about the past or the future, mm-hmm. which is really where our ego starts getting real loud, right? Yeah. That's yeah. when that that negative self-talk starts coming in. That's when your ego starts going, well, no, I don't need to do that and, and screw you. And then you start having these reactions that really don't help you at all, right? They don't help you to grow. They don't help you to be honest with yourself. They start coming from a defensive place of like, don't tell me what to do, which is a very normal response. Let me just tell you. Every person I've ever worked with has had that response like multiple times. <laughs> so those two things I think are going to be very helpful for you ongoing when you're trying to work through stuff and things start kind of snowballing or at work even. Yeah. If somebody really gets underneath your skin and you feel like you just want to like cuss them out or you want to cry or whatever, stop and do your breath work. And then the other thing is meditation. And for you, I actually think meditation and affirmations are going to be good for you. I'm not real big on affirmations because for me, they don't work and they feel pretty ridiculous. Mm -hmm. But I think some positive self-talk to offset the negative self-talk that's happening will kind of nip that in the bud for you. Okay. So you can listen to affirmation meditations where you basically sit and you get very still and quiet and you say, you know, I am beautiful. I am safe. I am loved. I am whatever. Yeah. Those kind of things, you start kind of like reframing it in your brain so that when that negative self-talk kicks up, you immediately respond with, nope, I am safe or nope, I am loved. And so you kind of stop it when it starts going down that path because negative self-talk becomes very destructive when it's just like allowed to snowball. Yeah. That's when you start getting into these like negative self-talk loops and then it it's almost like yeah. your brain's been possessed right yeah well and then you just like fall into the, well at least i fall into like that deep dark that deep darkness you know almost yep. i don't want to say full-blown depression but you know in that in that darkness for a while yeah well and that that darkness is unresolved trauma so the way that this kind of works is like if you have stuff I, I call them demons, right? So like I'm not talking about biblical demons, but your your internal mm-hmm. demons. If you have internal demons in there that are not being looked at and they're not being addressed, they'll just continue to eat at you. Like all of this stuff that feels good, they'll just eat away at it until it's gone. Yeah. And then all that you're left with is with this thing that's like, you're a piece of shit. You're not smart. You're fat. You're ugly. Nobody likes you. You know? And yeah. so then it becomes very hard to get away from that because those demons have like absorbed all of your good energy. So all the good stuff that you do. So start with the fundamentals that I that I just went through, right? Really, If you really start making a practice out of that, I think you'll be amazed at how quickly like things kind of even out a little bit for you because yeah. that's a grounding practice, right? The other thing is if you can get outside, go spend some time in the sun. I, I know that sounds like, okay. <laughs> no, 
No, it's spot on. <laughs> yeah, go go spend some time in the sun. Even if it's like – even if you're really busy that day like, and you're taking a phone call or something, go sit outside and just like literally close your eyes and let the sun bathe your face while you're talking on the phone for five or ten minutes. Yeah. It makes a huge difference and then you won't go as deeply into those dark night of the souls because yeah. you're replenishing that that positive energy, right? Yeah. So I think obviously cuz you're you came on this podcast mm-hmm. you're at a place where you're ready to start doing shadow work. And shadow work is self-awareness work, right? So it's asking yourself why like a million times a day yeah. like like a little kid. Why? 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 Yeah. So when you start feeling a negative feeling come up or you start feeling tense inside or you start recognizing that you're like out of balance and I know you know that feeling because you're very in tune with yeah. your, your feelings. When you start to feel that downward trajectory happening, stop yourself and go, why am I feeling like that? And don't just be like, because that guy's an asshole. Okay, well, but there are assholes all over the world. So like you can't just stop there. You got to be like, okay, so that guy was being an asshole. So I'm just going to like make up a scenario. So that guy yeah. was being an asshole about uh, my TPS report not being done on time. We're just going <laughs> <Yes. laughs> to make yeah. this one. <laughs> But I saw it too. I love that so much. Oh God, I can't. <laughs> so, so you get like you're like okay, he's pissed off at me for getting my not getting my TPS report done on time, and you're like, but I, you know, I had all this other shit come up, and so like, and he's aware of that, and he still doesn't care. He's still being a douche about it. Yeah. So then, what you're really saying to yourself is he's not giving me empathy, or he's not giving me compassion for all of the other shit that's going on right now. When are the other times in my life that I felt that way? And then start digging through your memories of like, the, when are the other times that I felt this way inside? And go start with your family first, because a lot of that stuff happens during childhood. Those are the big ones, right? Because that's like the, the yeah. formative years. Go through those, okay? And start writing them down. And then once yeah. you kind of get to the end of it, go, what's the lesson I need to learn out of this, right? And the lesson on that is, hey, guy, fuck you. I'm doing my best. <laughs> I'm going at the speed that I'm comfortable yeah. going at. It's going to be done when it gets done. And if you have a problem with it, then you need to talk to my boss and tell her to get some of the shit off of my fucking plate. But in the meantime, I'm not going to have you sit here and be rude to me when literally I'm working my butt off. Okay. So that becomes yeah. like a standing, up, a standing up for yourself issue, which I feel like you're good about at times and not good about at other times. Like that's – I'm getting like an ACDC feeling on this from you. <laughs> Of like sometimes you're real quick to be like, shut up, no, like to people. And then other times you'll just kind of take it until you almost explode. Yeah, I think it depends on the person. Uh, that's that's literally what I'm getting. So if you can try and temper those like on both ends of the extreme into the middle, yeah, which is not saying, hey, fuck you guy immediately and is not like letting them walk all over you until you explode. It's in the middle somewhere where you go. Uh, hey, I'd like to address this behavior that just came up with you. Like, I don't think you understand yeah. how that made me feel. It made me feel like this. And my boundary is I don't, you know, I don't speak to other people that way. So I don't allow people to speak to me that way. And I'm not mad at you about it. I'm just putting it out there of don't talk to me like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that that way you're you're approaching everyone with the same kind of boundaries and balance that you would approach yourself with. Right. Because boundaries more than anything are actually rules for existing in your world. Yeah. So there are things that you apply to yourself, too. If you're not applying your boundaries to yourself and you're just applying them to people outside of you, that's bypassing. So. Right. And that and it's the golden rule. That's always what I say. Like I didn't realize that 
the motto I've lived my life by my entire life has been boundary setting, but it's the golden rule, which is I don't treat you that way. I would never treat anybody that way. So don't treat me that way. That's my standard. And if you can't adhere by these standards, then you're not welcome in my world. Right. Because you're you, you have a much higher set of standards than most people. And so I need you to understand (laughs) that. Okay. Not everybody is actually capable of meeting you at where your standard is. Right. That's okay. It means that they're incompatible in your world and you just need to let them go. Hmm. That's a hard part. Yes. So that's where this gets attached to when you find your own safety mm-hmm. and you don't feel the need to be loved by other people the same way that you love and you're okay with being alone because you know the universe loves me. The universe will take care of me. I'll find my own tribe eventually. I don't need to like cling to things from the past or cling to people. Because I just don't think that I'll get anything better than that. And trust, someone good will come into my world if I create space for them. That's when letting go of people becomes a little bit easier because you go, yeah, we're kind of like oil and water and I'm looking for other oil to hang out with where we can blend together and like we can both get something from each other. And so if you're not capable of blending with me because just by the very nature of who you are. Yeah, like there's not really room for you in my world in any serious capacity. And that's when you shove them to the outskirts, right? That's when they become the acquaintance circle. Right, right. Or you cut them off if they're very damaging for you. Um, (laughs) Yes. You know, (laughs) like. Yeah, absolutely. So I think all of this kind of plays into your your self-image issues though, right? Is because you're kind of still stuck in the mindset of like, I'm this fat little girl that isn't lovable. And like, that is not reality whatsoever, Mel. Yeah. That's, that's not, that's, that's literally your ego and damage speaking. You're not this fat little girl that's unlovable. You are the supremely lovable person who needs to start having better standards for yourself. Yeah. Like you need to be like, I am awesome. I am a beautiful, awesome, fun person who like, Everyone would be lucky to be loved by because, holy shit, hardly anybody can love the way that I can love. Yeah. You – I am a fucking treasure and you are lucky to be in my world, not the inverse. (laughs) Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel right now it's the inverse. I feel like you feel like, oh, okay, I have these people as my friends. Like, good. I I feel loved. And some of them are very good friends, so I'm not speaking on on your friendships. I'm just more so using that as an example. but. You need to flip the script on that and go, people are lucky that I'm in their life, not the inverse. Right, right. So what else you guys got for me? They're bringing up your grandfather for some reason. Mom, hmm. Mom's dad or dad's dad? Mom's dad. I don't know why they're showing me like you bouncing on his knee. He loved her is what they're saying. That's sweet. Um, I didn't really know him. Um, you know, I I only met him twice, and and uh, by the time I met him, when I was old enough to remember, he had multiple strokes um, and wasn't really able to communicate. Or yeah, so I want you to know. He loved your big personality, even from the time you were a kid. Like, you were actually kind of his favorite because of it. He was like, this kid's a trip. Like, she's precocious and funny. 
I'm wondering if he's about to come through and that's why they're <laughs> they're pointing this out. <laughs> okay, I think it is him. So, was he I don't get the sense he was a big dude though. Am I reading this right by the end was he kind of frail? He was yeah, he was frail at the end, but he was a he was a big guy. He was a big guy. So he's showing me him at the end like cuz I'm just seeing like skin hanging off of his bones like it's Oh. He was like I don't I don't want her to remember me that way. He said I want her to remember me like the big jolly like Santa Claus. <laughs> like he's like kind of like jiggling a little bit but in a fun way. <laughs> yeah. Did he used to read books to you? Because he's like showing me like a. Oh no, sorry. I'll wait. He said she was an open book. Oh. Yeah, he said that like you would come up to him like when you were really little and like would just start babbling at him. Oh, that's sweet. That you like you were excited to like tell him all your stories. Oh. He he loved that. Like it it tickled him to no end. Like I really don't think you realize like how much your grandfather actually really loved you. Like enjoyed you. I didn't really I didn't really know him. I didn't really spend that much time with him at all. I mean, if it's my mom's dad. It is, but he's telling me that like he watched you grow up. That he's been he's been with you this whole time. He's showing me you graduating from, I'm seeing black and gold. Is that one of your schools? Or like, Mm -mm. I'm just seeing a gold tassel. I think it's black. It might be blue. Oh, are you just showing me that because my high school colors? Okay, sorry. High school. (laughs) My high school colors were black and gold. So, yeah. He's showing me you graduating from high school and him being there with you. He's showing me like you with like a thing of flowers. He, <laughs> he's showing me him with him with you like when you're interviewing for a job. He said it was her first job out of school. And she was so nervous in her interview. And he goes, and I was there with her. He's he's actually showing me like like you sweating under the armpits because you were so nervous. <laughs> he said she doesn't trust in herself enough. He said she's so smart. I don't know why he's showing me a baguette. Why did you show me a baguette? I don't know. I feel like this has something to do with a bakery for some fucking reason. In France. Is that why you're showing me a baguette? Okay, I'm an idiot. I'm sorry. He wants you to get out and travel. Like he wants Mm -hmm. you to go to France. He wants you to go eat fresh baked goods in a French bakery. (laughs) I want her to go to London. Like he wants you to go explore. 
which is pretty typical from past loved ones. I'm going to be honest with you. This has happened twice now in readings where they've kind of like brought up like very specific stuff. Yeah. He's saying that he wants you to like broaden your perspective. Because he have you never have you ever have you never been out of the country before? No, I have. Is that something you really enjoy then? I'm like, why he's being very intense about this. I guess that's why I'm like He's from England. <laughs> okay. He ugh, that that's starting to make this more sense. Making more sense. Yes. <laughs> So I think he's kind of getting at like he wants you to like broaden your perspective and kind of get back in touch with like your European roots is kind of what I'm getting at because he brought up France and then specifically said London. He said she'll meet new people. One with ones with brighter prospects. Yeah, he's literally just showing me like you like stamping your passport book with like a whole bunch of stamps on them. Okay. Yeah, that's one of the things actually that's like being solo, taking solo trips has always been something that's been a little bit anxiety ridden for me. Okay, so that kind of makes sense as to why he's bringing that up, though. Mm -hmm. So he's wanting me to tell you that he goes with you on these trips. Like, Mm. she's never alone is literally what he said. He said. He said she's safe. She's protected. And he just goes, go have fun. Like he kind of said it in like a, I don't want to say like exasperated way, but like a little bit. He's like, she needs more fun. Uh, Okay. So are we sure that this is my mom's dad and not a different relative? Are you her mom's are you her mom's dad? He said I am. <laughs> yeah. He said I am and he just repeated London. So I guess that was like his London thing was like his nod to you of like, this is me. Yeah. He said, but I want her to go have fun. So he's like repeating that again. Yeah. See with my nana. <laughs> are you with her her grandma, her nana? He said I am. He goes reunited and having fun. Oh, good. So he's giving me this feeling, though, of like, he's actually kind of proud of you for being like a single woman. Because in his time, that like wasn't, that like really wasn't a thing. You know what I mean? Like, you didn't go travel the world on your own and you didn't like, like he's, He's, like, kind of amazed by you, in all honesty. Uh, My Nana has come through to me before, and she said that before. Her name is Jean. Interesting. So it's interesting that they have the same. So she told you the same thing about, like, she she was proud of you for, like, going out and. Yeah, yeah, it was um, my mom's mom, and she was proud that. You know, I was kind of doing my own thing and being a single independent woman and, you know. He literally just said that was from both of us. Oh, okay. So this was part of him wanting to give you proof, right? Like 
because you were starting to question if it was him. Yeah. I love how spirit works. So <laughs> because you were kind of questioning, like, is this him or is this like a, li- a live relative or whatever? He essentially yeah. gave you something that you had already heard from your your grandmother. Oh, gotcha. He huh. said we're both proud of her. Oh. It's um it's interesting that they are the spirits that want to come through to me considering I didn't really have a relationship with them when they were living. Okay, but he literally just said to me that's why we come through. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I want her to know that we're with her, both of us, but me in particular. Oh. I like hanging out with her. I like seeing what she's up to. I didn't get to know her as an adult, so that's why I hang around. Like, he, he, I kind of get the sense that he feels like he, like, kind of missed out on that, right? And so, like, that's why they hang around you so much. He's showing me your cat. <laughs> Who I didn't totally see, but it's a fluffy, a fluffy black cat, right? Uh, she's a tuxedo. Okay. Yeah, he's like literally showing me like him sitting on the couch next to you and like the cat laying on his lap and him like petting it. <laughs> oh. Yeah, he's showing me he he literally like just hangs out with you and watches TV, like when you're watching stuff. He really is around <laughs> you a lot. Really? Yeah. He's showing me he's in he's in the car with you, like when you're driving. <laughs> he just showed me you like honking the horn because somebody like cut you off or whatever. And then he's showing me like him being like, oh, why would you why would you do that? Like he gets all up in arms with you. <laughs> he's showing me you in like a formal gown dancing. With someone like slow dancing, I want to say either at like prom or a wedding, maybe. Hmm. Oh, Definitely this is down my wedding. No, not <laughs> no. This is some. This was somebody else's wedding. It was in an indoor space. He just said she looked beautiful. Oh. Does that ring a bell with you? Um. <laughs> There was a couple of weddings recently. Um, one of them was outside, one was inside. So I just I assume that it was the inside one. But yeah, they. I feel like it had a pretty decent sized dance floor, and it mm. felt like kind of light, like a light colored wedding. I mean, that's pretty typical, though. Like I'm not really, not really touching on anything and saying on that. But <laughs> he's also showing me you drinking like champagne. I think he just like literally enjoyed going to that wedding with you. Like I think he was just hanging yeah, out. Like, it sounds like it. Oh yeah, there was some champagne there. Yep, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was in Chicago last year. I know this is really strange, but do you know if the wood floor was like that, like weird kind of interlocking wood with like different angled? I don't, I don't know why he showed me that very specifically, though. That's, like, a very specific thing. Is it because the wood floor was, like, moving? <laughs> like, oh, maybe. Yeah, because, it like. It's like, a weird, 
like it was like, you know, at the end of the night after a couple of drinks, like, oh my gosh, is the building moving or is it us moving? Like, because the floor was just like off kilter. Yeah. I, he very specifically like pointed out the floor to me. That's why I'm like, what what was huh. that? You know, because like I get a lot of these images, but I don't get context with them a lot of times. So I'm yeah. like, I don't, yeah. why are you showing me like a weird interlocking, weird looking floor? Like, uh. <laughs> he was like, she was drunk. <laughs> Yeah, 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 absolutely. They served dinner way too late. <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah. oh, man, oh, no, please don't give me that feeling. Yeah, he just like – he gave me like a nausea feeling, like a very intense one. Did you vomit that night? Yeah. Um, I did not. No, I did not. But there was a lot of people who got oh. sick that night because they literally did – give us way too much booze before dinner. Yeah, I went from feeling like totally okay to like wanting to vomit. That was Yeah. <laughs> and then with like the building or like the floor moving, it was like a whole thing. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure there was somebody at the wedding like right outside of the door of the wedding that like vomited like in the entryway. Like it was it was really it was intense. <laughs> okay. So that was more of him him sharing with you that he was there though because like yeah, I don't ever get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't get body sensations usually unless they're like really pointing that out. Oh well, it's nice to hear him say that I was beautiful. I actually had a lot of, um, I had a lot of uh, insecurities that night. He goes, "That's why I'm telling her that." Yeah, that's sweet. She had nothing to be insecure about. She looked beautiful. Were you feeling kind of insecure because it was kind of a tight-fitting dress because that's what he's showing me? Yeah. Was it dark blue by any chance? Um. Yeah. It was like a dark navy. Yeah. Girl, you look beautiful. Like, he's showing me it. No. You did not need to feel insecure about that at all. <laughs> okay. So part of the reason he was bringing up, you know, how I said he kind of wants you to tap back into your, your European roots. Yeah. He literally just showed me like mashed potatoes and mushy peas, and he was like, "She needs to get back to her roots." <laughs> okay. Why? Why do you want? So to I need get to go to visit roots? my British family. <laughs> he's like just like specifically. Yes, he's just like literally like, like oh, very really? emphatically nodded. Yes. Okay. Okay, so this is strange because you you don't think of British people as being like real emotive, but like he's saying that yeah. there's someone in that family who's a lot like you. Huh. She he said she's a lot more open than she thinks. Hmm. So I think that might be why he's like wanting you to go do that though, is I think there might be a family member that Maybe isn't so openly gregarious, but actually is a lot more like you than you think. Okay. Yeah, he show <laughs> he's showing me them like drinking at a pub, like like big pint glasses of beer, and like kind of getting rowdy with it and loud. Yeah. That, that's okay, but it, that makes sense. Is it an uncle? <laughs> He said, she'll see. Go visit. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. I, I, think it's, cool. I think it's a female, though. I could be wrong, but. Oh, okay. I just, I, I have a feeling if you go to visit, like, you're going to bond with one of them in a way that you probably weren't expecting. Hmm. He said they're the fun side of the family is what he literally said. Okay. 
Okay. Was your grandmother British too, or was she American? Um, so my dad's side is American, my mom's side is British. Okay. So I think your grandmother is here because she just kind of butted in front of him and she said, I'm her nan. And like said it in oh. kind of an English accent. So I was like, <laughs> okay. I was like, am I just making this up? Because she, we were just talking about English stuff, but. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Did your grandma have kind of like a big personality on her? Like, like a little bit like tell it like it is? Yeah, I think so. I All think right. So. so she didn't totally say this outright, but like I'm getting the feeling of she's like. She's kind of like if anybody doesn't like him, well, like, if anybody doesn't like her, like fuck him. Like that's like literally the the vibe I got from that of like she's great, and if they don't like her, then fuck him. <laughs> yeah. She just gave me a thumbs up. So, yeah. <laughs> from what I've heard of of Jean, it, it sounds like it's her. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna do a really terrible British accent because like I just okay. feel like this needs to be like mimicked in her voice. Uh. One more time. You tell her she's perfect just as she is, and if they don't like her, they can bloody fuck off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> she said she's a right queen, is literally what she just said. Oh, God. Mm. <laughs> Do you remember if your grandma got her hair permed? Uh, yes, I She's believe showing that she me did. really big hair, like like eighties hair almost. Yeah, but I also really enjoy big big hair. <laughs> okay, so maybe that's what she's showing me. Like it honestly reminded yeah. me of, like the eighties, like the crimp perms. Oh, okay, yeah, like because it's just yeah. huge. Like that's funny. And now she's showing me someone painting their nails. Mm. Oh. Okay, so she's showing me that, like, she enjoyed all that stuff, too. Oh. she. I think she's kind of living, like, a little vicariously through you, like, in all honesty. Oh. Huh. She just said, self-care. <laughs> <laughs> she needs to pamper yeah. herself, is literally what she just said. She needs to pamper herself. <laughs> Done. Travel and pamper myself more. Done. <laughs> yeah, I can get on board with all this. Yeah, she just said she doesn't appreciate how special she is. Hmm. Do you know how hard it is to do what she's doing? Man, she is like a lot louder than your grandfather. Holy crap. <laughs> like I'm getting yeah. like full on like like she's here. She's brave. Okay, I'm going to bastardize this because I got bits and pieces of this, but she basically said she needs to like tits up is, is literally what she said. So by tits up, do you just mean like like sack up or nut up? She's saying push out your chest, tits up. Like, oh, like hold, okay. hold yourself with All pride. Right. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. She needs to act like the queen she is. <laughs> I didn't realize that that's what tits up means. That's funny. I've always heard as in like they went tits up as in like, you know, they went out of business or whatever. Yeah, it flopped. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize that that literally means like stick your chest out. She just said she will meet a man. 
I know it. <laughs> she said that very confidently. Oh, gosh. Is it a man that I already know? <laughs> well, she said, but she's got to get confident in herself first. Men are not attracted to women that aren't confident, is what she literally just said. And judging by her personality, I think she probably knows that from experience. Yeah. Okay, so she basically, she said, the way I snagged him, like, pointing at your grandfather, was Mm -hmm. she, like, and then she just kind of gave me this, like, some flashes and, like, a feeling. But, like, essentially, she kind of, like, how do I put this into words? She kind of, like, acted like she was the shit. I mean, honestly, like, that's that's the best way I can put it. She just, she was, like, you're lucky to be in my, in my world. Yeah. And she goes, he was. I was great. <laughs> I still am. That's what she just said. Yeah. She needs to do the same, pointing at you. Okay. Okay, but she is telling me to tell you to stop hiding behind your glasses. Hmm. But I'm pretty sure she needs those to see. Yeah. <laughs> She goes, they could be smaller. She has a beautiful oh. face. Oh, I see. Okay. She should show it off. She is my mom's mom. <laughs> she is she freaking intense, okay, man. Okay, Jean. <laughs> yeah. She said, it's all with love. It's all with love is literally what she just said. Yeah. I just think she should realize how great she is. And I don't think she's going to do that by hiding away. Mm. That's why her grandfather's telling her to travel, and that's why I'm telling her to, to take care of herself and do a glow up. Oh. She needs to get out there. Okay. The confidence will come when she gets out there. And then she just said, tits up again. Being my Nana, she probably means put on an actual push-up bra. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm kind of glad that you said that because, like, I'm getting – I know this like, is – Like, get it back where, you know, get – you know, be sexy about it. <laughs> I, I know this is – okay, so I'm kind of glad that you said that, though, because I'm getting the sense of, like, leopard print from her. Like, I don't know why. Like, oh leopard print and, like, bright lipstick and big hair. <sighs> She know I'm going to a party on Friday. Is that what she's <laughs> alluding to? <laughs> she goes, yep. Make their jaws oh. drop. All right. Done. <laughs> okay. So now we're going to get into a little bit of a heavier subject. She goes, it doesn't have to be heavy. <laughs> so she wanted me to tell you that don't listen to your mom. Because your mom's just repeating the same shit that her mom said to her. I was hard on her. I wanted her to find a good mate. Like, husband. Yeah. Not yeah. not British mate, like friend. <laughs> yeah. And the best way for a woman to do that when I was growing up was to be the, like the hottest she could be. You know, back then we ruled men with our looks. She used a way more vulgar word, but I'm going to say looks. Yeah. (laughs) 
But times have changed. And just like I didn't realize it, that times had changed when your mom was around, like when she was around your mom. Your mom's not really that not realizing that times have changed now, too. It's not all about looks anymore. You guys talk about your feelings. The world's a very different place now than it was when I was alive. And I don't think she's quite aware of that either, meaning your mom. Yeah. But she'll get with it. That's what she just said to me, like, about your mom. Mm. She'll see it just like I did. And she said, but she's beautiful, talking about you, at any weight. She just needs to believe it. Confidence is all the lads care about. <laughs> she goes, and she's my genetics, so she, you, you know she's hot. No. <laughs> okay, now she's showing me you taking like some shots of some clear liquor or maybe tequila. She said, go out and have fun. That's what being young and single is all about. She goes, you'll have plenty of time to be at home in your sweatpants with your husband. But right now, enjoy this chapter of your life. Live life to the fullest. Because you never know when it's going to end. She said, I wasted a lot of my time. And I wish I hadn't. You guys got anything else? (laughs) She goes, nope. But then she kind of showed me her like, (laughs) like pulling up your spanks and then she slapped you on the butt real hard. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Okay, I got it. I got it. Oh my goodness. They really do want you to just like go put yourself out there. Like that, both of them. Yeah. Yeah. I think your grandfather might really want you to go to a French bakery in France at some point or. (laughs) I still have no idea. Like he flashed that baguette like four times. So that's why I was like, why are we with what's with the baguette? (laughs) Is that where I'm going to meet my soulmate, my husband in France at some bakery? (laughs) Maybe. Or maybe that's just something that he really liked. You know, because, yeah. like, the big, baked goods here are not that great usually. I mean, they have to be better in France, so <laughs> I'm in it. I'm down. They'll riot otherwise. Yeah. All right. Do I have anybody else here? Okay. I do have your inner child. She just showed up. Okay. interesting so she's eating like a red either popsicle or push pop and it's like kind of all over her lips and like had spilled onto her white t-shirt that was kind of tight and she's kind of showing me that you kind of had boobs but you weren't wearing a bra yet at this point and she said they made fun of me but it's not my fault my body's just like this She said, I wasn't old enough to get a bra yet. Did somebody make fun of you for not having a bra on when you were younger? I don't. I don't remember. Interesting. So she said, tell her thank you. And I said, for what? And she said, for telling people to leave me alone. 
So now she's showing me like some friends that you had when you were younger that were kind of passive or aggressive and mean to you. Okay, so I think when you cut out the people that you cut out that you were just talking about. Yeah. I think that helped your inner child kind of get past some of that that had happened when you were a kid where like you were really sweet to people and they were not nice in return. That you like you considered them friends and they were like they either betrayed you or kind of made fun of you or whatever that was. She's also showing me her like holding on to a stuffed animal. It's either a teddy bear or a rabbit. It's got blue fur, though. Does that ring a bell? Hmm. No. She's got it, like, underneath her arm like this. It might have just been a doll. That blue is significant, though, because I definitely saw blue on it. Like a Care Bear or something? That's kind of what I'm – Yeah. Like, I I feel like it's a stuffed animal of some kind. Well, like a, a plush. It could be a doll, but it's like plush. And it has like some fur yeah. on it. Like it could have even maybe been like a troll doll with like blue hair. Okay. She's also showing me for some reason like going to the movies. Did you enjoy that when you were a kid? Yeah. She said she hasn't been in a while. I think she wants you to go out and, like, watch a movie in the theater. Okay. <laughs> yeah. she Okay. So she's showing me her, like, well, are you, like, little you, um, mm-hmm. like, at a movie theater with, like, a bucket of popcorn in your lap with, like, all the butter on it. Mm-hmm. And she's just, like, giggling and laughing at whatever's on the screen. I kind of get the sense she kind of liked that because it was, like, in the dark and she felt like she could kind of just be herself. And like laugh and snort and eat popcorn and drink soda and just like not worry about other people watching her or saying something because everyone was like had to be quiet and look at the screen. She's also showing me her drawing on the sidewalk with chalk. I feel like it went into hopscotch territory, but I'm not sure if that's my brain or her. So I'm just going to kind of like give that to you and leave it for what it is. Mm-hmm. Okay, so she is showing me that that running event that we were talking about earlier, and she shows me her yeah. like running for like ten or fifteen feet, and then stopping and like being bent over and like pant like panting basically because you were so out of breath, and then her continuing to try and push herself more, and then having to stop, and then like she really wanted to finish that. Yeah. She said, it's unfair. I could have finished. I just needed more time. Why didn't they give me the time? Oh, yeah. Okay. So the reason that that stuck with you the the way it did, I think, like based off of what she's showing me and the feelings that she's giving me from it was that like you knew you could have finished that. Mm-hmm. And you feel like you kind of had that opportunity ripped away from you. And then it also, like, made everybody kind of turn and look at you and, like, pay attention to you about it. And so it made you feel, like, insecure. When she was like, they didn't need to send me to the nurse. Like, I could have finished it. I could have done it. Like, I just needed a little bit more time. Like, why'd they rush me? Yeah. 
Okay. Is that a thing for you? Like, do you feel like people kind of rush you to do things when you, you don't like, like people kind of push you into doing stuff? Um, maybe, maybe. Yeah, I almost get the sense it's almost like a, you like to do things at your own pace. Yeah. And there's like, there's nothing wrong with that. But I feel like some people in your life have been like very like aggressive towards you of like, go do it, go do it, go do it, go do it. Or like tried to make you do it in their time frame. And like every time that that's happened, it's made you feel kind of crappy. Like you, you, yeah, yeah, you feel like they're trying to control you and you don't like it. And so that's part of what that, that running experience brought up for you too. Yeah. Of like, you just wanted to go at your own pace and they weren't going to let you do it. She's also showing me her with a coloring book now. <laughs> Did you really like coloring when you were younger? Because I kind of like. Yeah. She really is enjoying it. Like. Like maybe your mindfulness rather than looking at your hand and stuff is getting one of those like adult coloring books and coloring. Okay. I think that's why she's showing me that. I think she's trying to kind of show me like things that that you enjoy that like were things that that can kind of help you if that makes sense like for an inner child she's communicating a lot yeah I mean even with like bringing up the mile and 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 the running and the slower pace I mean that's also been some negative self-talk recently with trying to like work out more and you know like racing racing to the finish line as opposed to like enjoying the journey and taking my time and just like allowing myself like to kind of go at my own pace you know yeah I Um, I think that that I think that 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 impetus though I don't think it's coming from you like I think that that's a subconscious thing that was put there by somebody else I think that's a bad program is I guess what I'm saying okay like I don't think that inherently you like to rush and like get to the end of stuff I think that you encountered that a lot in your lifetime of you wanting to kind of go at your pace and other people pushing you to to go faster, to get it done, to be yeah. done with it, to go do something. And I, yeah. I think that naturally we, you don't work like that. So like, yeah, go at your own pace, go at what makes you feel comfortable Yeah, because I think you'll stick with it. Right. Like I think, yeah, I think that's going to be important for you. Don't feel like you have to do anything on anyone else's schedule. Yeah. So she's also showing me her just like laying in the grass <laughs> and like staring at the clouds. I think she just wants I, – I think she's like spend some time outside, <laughs> like literally like I told you earlier. I think she kind of wants you to like give yourself permission to daydream a little bit, to like be a little less logical and a little more like head in the clouds and dreamy. I think you've kind of – gone full-blown adult and you don't really allow your your brain to go there much anymore yeah okay so she just was like that's it and like skipped off so oh <laughs> she's so cute you were a cute kid like i know people bullied you but you were freaking cute like i just wanted to squeeze her you were bubbly too like you had a very bubbly like fun personality like I think she just doesn't want you to be so serious. Like tap into your inner child. Do those things that you like doing when you were a kid. Like allow yourself to dream. 
that I really got like a big one out of that of like, she just feels like you're so serious. And by giving yourself like the space to dream and to color in your coloring books and it'll kind of make space for you to like open yourself up to those childhood things and start looking at them in a way that's like not so traumatic and and so like, oh, I'm looking at like really dark stuff or I'm looking at things that were hurtful. Like I think you might be able to just kind of tap into that and like remove yourself from it a little bit and allow yourself to kind of see it from an outside perspective of like, man, I was a great kid. Like I was cute. I didn't deserve that. Like those kids were turds. Like yeah. because they were feeling bad about themselves or they were feeling bad about whatever. I, I don't. Yeah. I have a feeling that your version of shadow work is not going to be as doom and gloom as, as a lot of other people's. Okay. So that's the good news. <laughs> that's great news. <laughs> it is. So I'm also going to give you a tool with that. So in shadow work, we start asking why, right? Like, why did I have that feeling come up? Okay. So I experienced all these other things that like all attached to that. So then when you go through and you look at those scene by scene, right? Like that scene out of your life, try and replace yourself with someone else. Okay. Someone else that you care about, that you would feel defensive of, that you love like you love yourself, right? Put them in that position and then be like, did she deserve that? Or did he deserve that? If the answer is no, then you can be like, that wasn't about me. That was about somebody else and their bullshit. And I just need to like let go of whatever the program I was that got from that that is destructive to me because that wasn't about me. Yeah. And I, I think a good one to start with is is the body image issues because none of that was from you. I don't get the sense that little kid, you really cared about your weight in all honesty. Like you were just happy to be alive. Like that's really what I got from her. She was a happy go lucky kid. It was I can't even imagine. <laughs> well, it was like everybody else's bullshit that made you feel bad. Yeah. Right? And yeah. so that's not that's not you. Though that negative self-talk, that negative image, like that's not you. That's other people's crap bleeding into it. Yeah. So when you start realizing that's other people's crap and like I'm allowed to be as fat as I want as long as I like, you know, tits up and Put on my makeup. Spanks on. Yeah, spanks on and put on my makeup and, you know, get my nails done and and go walk out with my confidence, like, and just say, like, I know I'm freaking beautiful and I don't care if other people don't think so. All that matters is that I think I'm beautiful. Yep. Then when you start to work on your body, like, you'll start to lose some weight and you'll take all the pressure off of it. You'll be like, if I lose some weight for my health, that's a good thing, but I'm beautiful as I am. Like, look, I am just as big, if not bigger than you are. And like, you see my husband, like I bagged a hottie, right? And I'm chubby. (laughs) He's giving a thumbs up. But like, there there are dudes that like bigger women. There are a lot of dudes. Yeah. Yeah. Who are you going to say? I was just saying I'm a super hot guy. (laughs) If you only knew... How funny that coming from him is because he is the most like eh, I'm I'm fine like but he is like I've never I have dated a lot of dudes and I have never had as many people comment on how hot my husband is than I have with him like guys will literally tell me like your husband's a good looking man like our vet who's like a 70 year old like like mountain man literally said like I always forget what a good looking guy you are Nick like he literally said that to him the last time he saw him I mean yeah doc has a crush on him. he does he has he has a man crush on him so that's kind of what i'm getting at though <laughs> is that like i may and maybe i'm wrong and nick will speak up to this but like 
I, I think part of what you found so attractive was my confidence. Yeah. I mean, you, you carried yourself well and like you, you didn't, you know, put up with people's crap and, uh, you know, you, you weren't, well, you weren't like second guessing. I mean, that's, <laughs> a, that's, that's really difficult to, uh, to kind of be with somebody that's, that's, yeah. that's second guess. And so, yeah, I mean, confidence is, is sexy. So, uh, I think lots of guys are interested in, in women that are, that are confident. I mean, yeah, I mean, that, that that's, I think it's a, a huge, uh, huge turn on for a lot of guys. And just so you know that it's not just like my personality that he's like goo goo over, like <laughs> goo goo, because, because Nick really gets goo goo over anything. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where that came from. Goo <laughs> I've been tapped into spirit for too long. I'm speaking like one of the people that come talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, we were at a hockey game or was it hockey or football? We were at some sort of sports thing and we got separated and I was walking through the stadium and he ended up being like kind of far behind me. And Nick was like literally from behind. He was like, man, that chick's hot. And because Nick has a crap memory, he didn't realize that it was me because he didn't remember what I was wearing. <laughs> And he came and walked up next to me. He was like, oh, holy shit, it's you. And I was like, he was like, I just literally looked at you from behind. I was like, man, that chick goes hot. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. Okay. <laughs> but I was like the size that I am now. Okay. So yeah. like, yeah, yeah. I need you to understand that just because other people think that skinny is beautiful does not mean that that's everybody's taste. Yeah. Like, and also Carl, like yeah. one of the biggest people in Hollywood, well, not in Hollywood, in, in music right now is Lizzo. Yeah. No, it's, I don't even think that it's. It's not even about like the size, right? Like it's it's really just I think it is that negative self-talk, you know? Like I I do think that, you know, thick women are beautiful and I do feel like I am beautiful. It's just those moments of negative self-talk that I allow me to like get into those like dark heavy like holes. Right. But that negative self-talk is still an aspect of yourself, right? So Yeah there's some part of you that doesn't feel that way is kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah. And so that part of yeah. you though, that's programming from other people. So you've got to figure out how to get rid of that bad programming and whether that's positive affirmations or every time you're feeling shitty like that, you go watch a Lizzo video. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. And remind right. yourself like there are plenty of people that think that bigger women are sexy and like, you know, yeah. she's rocking. I mean, she wore a fucking dress made out of caution tape not too long ago like <laughs> yeah you know it there's and it, the whole thing with her she's confident like she yeah, just gives zero sure. fucks Absolutely. right and so you're already halfway there to giving zero fucks you just got to go the full way to where no matter if that negative self-talk comes in or not like you just don't it doesn't even register because you go no like i'm beautiful yeah Because you are. Thank you. You're beautiful and you're lovable and you're smart and your grandparents are a fucking trip and they're around you all the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I definitely have my to-do list. That's for sure. I'm excited. Yeah. I definitely – he really wants you to go to, to Europe though. France and, and yeah. France and London. That was like literally the two – like he was very specific about those. <laughs> Done. <laughs> So I'm trying to think, is there anything else? Aaron's like, nope, you covered them. (laughs) 
Okay. So she actually did say, well, and she goes, if she wants to get rid of the negative self-talk, she's going to have to start realizing what is her and what is her ego. Okay. So, and that's kind of a tricky process for a lot of people so that you're not alone in this. Mm -hmm. So when your ego comes up, so like, let's say you're like, I'm going to rock this awesome tight Navy dress. Like, we'll just use that as an example. Right. When you're like trying it on. And then you get into trying it on and then your brain goes, well, you can't wear this because you've got a, a roll here and you can see your cellulite here. And, and it starts like reasoning for all the reasons that you can't do that. That's a good sign that that's your ego and not actually you. So that's one way to kind of tell like this isn't me. This is my ego kicking in and I need to not listen to this or I need to immediately stop and do my breath work or do what I need to do in order to to shut this up, right? Because this isn't actually a reasonable part of me talking. This is my ego. Right. So that's one way to do it. The other thing is, and I, I gave this as a tool in another one of these podcasts, but I'm going to give it to you again because I think this is very effective for a lot of people. Name your ego, okay? Because you need to start seeing oh. it as something outside of yourself. So one of my students literally named it like a name that her mom wanted to name her that she didn't like. Right. So like in my case, like my family wanted to name me Sunny Summer. And thank goodness. I know. I know. So like if I wanted to name my ego, I could name it Sunny or um, another person named it something that rhymed with her name that was negative. Like I don't know why the the first name that just popped in my head was Cassandra. Oh, that's a good one. You know, like just that's a good one, though. Like, you know, and then you can kind of talk to it like that. of like, shut up, Cassandra. Like, I'm going to rock this dress and I'm going to look great in it. And you're not going to make me feel bad about this because you're not even me. Like, you're some bad program that was installed by somebody else like a long time ago. And you think you're protecting me. But what you're really doing is making me fucking miserable. So please shut up. Like, okay. you you kind of have to that. reason with it, right? And see it as something outside yeah. of you. Because once you start understanding what is you when you have a thought and what is your ego when it's having a thought or when it's trying yeah. to talk you out of something because it thinks it's protecting you from being, you know, chastised for being chubby because that's what that is. Yeah. Okay. It, that's literally your e- – what – so to explain this, that's that's what that is. That's – your ego goes – Oh, I got made fun of when I was younger for being fat and I look and I know I'm fat right now. And and so obviously if I wear this tight dress, then I'm going to get made fun of. And that didn't feel good. So I should tell her that she can't wear that dress and I should make her feel bad about it so that she doesn't do that. Yeah. That's how your ego works. It's it's literally trying to protect you in the most fucked up way. But so once you start understanding that that's how it works and you can go, well, I don't need that protection anymore. Like I didn't even need it back then. I just needed to understand where that was coming from. And now that I've dug into that and I've looked at it and I've sat with it and I've realized these were other people's insecurities that then got put into my brain, then you can kind of let all of that go and you can start saying, hey, Cassandra, I know you're trying to help me, but shut the fuck up. <laughs> or in the words of my Nana, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Sandra, fuck off. Yes. I mean, because that was like, I mean, she was very like, like your grandfather came in kind of low and slow and he was showing me some stuff. And then she came in like a bad, she was like, get the fuck out of the way. I need to talk to her. Like that was the energy she had. And she was, she was kind of angry about it because it was like, how, how can she not realize like how beautiful she is and how, like how great she is? Like, this is stupid. I mean, that was kind of the, the vibe I got off of your nan. Yeah. So, huh. 
I think Cassandra is a, a great name for her. I, I think that's a good one. <laughs> Especially so the way too. that you said it. You're like, Cassandra. Cassandra. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I, I like that practice. I'll definitely do that. I'm definitely going to get some adult coloring books. Oh, yeah. And if you're ever just having a real crap day where, like, your brain gets totally out of control, like, message me and I will remind you that none of that's real. So, Oh, wonderful. (laughs) But but I do mean it. I think what will help you a lot is that mindfulness. So the coloring book, the breath work, though. Yep. Just try it a couple times and see how you feel. I think you'll be amazed. Yeah, for sure. Because if you're focused on your, your breath work, and how it feels going in and out of your body. Guess who? Guess what you can't pay attention to? Cassandra. <laughs> she just goes the fuck away because you're not paying attention to her, right? Like you, yeah. you deflate yeah. it because you're you're removing any attention from it. So, yep. and then the mindfulness aspect of that of the coloring book. When you're that focused on being in the present, and you're focused on like the strokes that the you know the markers making on the on the paper and the feel of it and the shading that you're doing and like the feeling of enjoyment that you have. There's no room for you to be going like, well, will I find my spouse in the future? And there's no room for you to be going like, God, this felt crappy when this happened in the past. There's literally no room in the present moment for the ego. That's the one place that the ego does not exist and it doesn't give a fuck about. It literally only cares about what happened to me in the past and how do I mitigate it and what's going to happen in the future that I want. That's like literally all that the ego cares about. So if you can kind of like remove those two things even being a factor and stuff and really just be super present in the moment, you'll be amazed at how little your brain will start chattering at you. Yeah. And then meditation with some affirmations, please, because (laughs) you can always just use those against Cassandra. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And who knows? Cassandra might catch a vibe and start telling you that you're beautiful and funny and whatever. Like, you just never know. <laughs> Egos are weird things, man. And then we'll man. call her Cassie. Yeah, exactly. There you go. And then her name will just be Cassie. <laughs> yeah, when she gets to be a, a friend. Like, yeah, you can exactly. be like, all right, we're cool. <laughs> exactly. But yeah. that's that's totally – I'm just sharing all this with you because, yeah. like, egos all work in very different ways. My ego works very differently from how Nick's works. Like, but the common yeah. denominator between all of them – is that your ego is not you. Your ego is yep. a whole bunch of bad programming and bad and I'm not going to say bad, but they were things to protect you that you no longer need as an adult because you're not that sweet innocent child anymore. You're a grown ass woman. Yeah. Who gets super drunk yeah. at weddings apparently. <laughs> Hey, everybody was super drunk at that wedding. Oh, my God. I am so glad that that nausea went away. Like, that was intense. Oh, goodness. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So with that, um, we're wrapping up the end of our show here. Uh, For you listeners that are listening, please feel free to use any of the tools that we discussed today. Um, and if this was interesting to you and you're starting to maybe feel like, man, maybe this is something I could do, please, by all means, we're booking for January. Reach out to us either on Instagram or through our website or email me at uh, aridout.com or sorry, aridout at gmail.com. Um, we'll get you scheduled. You know, it's it doesn't have to be scary as you saw, you know, Mel and I were laughing for most of the time and and quite frankly, past loved ones have been hilarious the past couple of times. So, I mean, it, it's a fun experience. It, it doesn't have to be quite so scary, even though we dig into some pretty deep stuff and some repressed stuff that 
you might not necessarily want to look at. Um, the other side of this is please like and subscribe and share to your friends and family and anybody else you think might benefit from this because without us reaching people, we can't help people. And the whole reason that Nick and I wanted to do this was to get into as many people's ears as possible so that they can start looking at their own damage and their own bad programming and their own trauma and start to look at how to heal some of those things. And I know that like, I mean, even I caught a few things off of this, you know, when I was reading for Mel, like some of these things really resonated with me. So I know they're resonating with people out there. We're all here to help each other. And this is honestly the most effective way I could think to do what I do. So if you appreciated what you heard today, if it helped you in any way, please share it out. Please like, subscribe, share it out, do everything we can to try and make our soul family as big and beautiful and healthy as possible. So with that, our next guest coming on is actually going to be Mercy Mitero, who is like one of my most favorite psychics of all time. She is absolutely phenomenal. And every time I get a reading from her for confirmation, it's literally like mind blowing how accurate she is. So tune in uh, next week and she'll be on here and I'm sure we'll be talking about all sorts of random stuff. I'm going to get her to talk a little bit about her spiritual awakening and the guidance that she offers because she does do private readings unlike yours truly. Um, but again, if you want to come on the show, I'm more than happy to do it. We can make it as anonymous or not anonymous as you need. Um, yeah. So just in case nobody has told you today, you are loved. 